The COVID-19 pandemic has really reminded me of the old hymn, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. It's really put in perspective for me that I've become too comfortable here on this earth. But at the end of the day, I want to spend eternity with God in heaven. And um, in order to do that, I need to be all in with Jesus and put him above all else. During this time, the pandemic has taught me to really trust in God because of my relationship with him and my trust in him. I really wasn't afraid of the pandemic. I knew that whatever happened, this was not a surprise to God, that he was in, was in control, and I could totally trust him with all that was going on. It gave me a chance to look at my life, look inward, and see what's going on. Am I really all in for Jesus, or am I just kind of on the outside? I looked at myself and I said, yeah, I'm all in. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Christ Community Chapel. So, so good to be with you. Uh, welcome those of you over in East Hall. Those of you who are tuning in who aren't comfortable yet coming back, I just want you to know we miss you and we will wait for you. Uh, there's nothing quite like being in person. We have done our best to try to stay connected through our digital format, but I love this. I got an email after our worship on the lawn last Sunday, which was, uh, that was awesome, I thought. But the email uh, from this guy said, listen, sometimes I, I think you don't realize how wonderful something is until it is taken away for a time. And that's the way I have felt about gathering together to worship. So thanks for coming today. Now, we are in this uh, a new series, this three-week series we're calling All In. These are some of the lessons that we have learned through this pandemic is that it is so important, it is critical, there is nothing more important than being all in when it comes to Jesus. And the third week of this three-week series, you'll have an opportunity to be baptized if you have never been baptized as a part of you going all in. So I want you to consider that, and you'll hear more about that at the end of the service. Now, one of the things that we thought would be a cool thing to do during this three-week series is to honor and celebrate uh, somebody in our community who has gone in all in for us during this time. Uh, first responders, uh, teachers, healthcare workers, ordinary people who've done extraordinary things to serve us. We're calling them local heroes. And while we cannot honor all the local heroes, we have chosen 12, one for each service of this three-week series and they will be a representative of all the rest of the people who went all in for us. And we're going to introduce you to the person for today, and then I'm going to invite him up. We're going to honor him, celebrate him, give him a little gift from our church family. So uh, watch this video. Hi there, my name is Allison Ewing, and I nominated Nathan Walden. So I nominated Nathan because he is just an amazing person who has a heart for serving others. He has a shop in Cuyahoga Falls called Hope Soap Ohio. So for every product that is sold in store and online, he then goes and donates a bar of his natural homemade soap to someone experiencing homelessness in the Akron area. Along with Hopes of Ohio, he also has a nonprofit organization called The Love Truck. And basically, The Love Truck um, is run off of the profits from 
um, Hope Soap. And so once a month, the last Saturday of every month, Nathan um, and a group of volunteers will feed a hot meal to those experiencing homelessness in the Akron community. Thanks so much for taking time out to talk with us for just a few minutes. We really appreciate it. I'm Stacy, and this is Pastor Joe. Joe. So. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Nathan. What gave you such a burden for the homeless community? I just took it upon myself to go and talk to them and get to know them and um, thought, oh, wow, we have to do something. So I started serving meals at the church there on a weekly basis. Um, and then the church unfortunately closed down. And so I continued it and I took it out into the park. So for six of the years, I cooked the food in my apartment for 300 people. <laughs> this is insane. We actually have um, someone that nominated you that is going to join us on the call real quick. So I'm going to go ahead and several let... People, several people, by the way, nominated you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> Allison. <laughs> Hi, Allison. I was just uh, so blown away by how you know, with the pandemic, so many people had to take a step back and Nathan just stepped in and went above and beyond um, for so many people. Nathan, thanks so much. Thanks for everything that you uh, have been doing and how you've done it. Boy, it really is great stuff. We're really grateful just uh, to be able to uh, to get to know you some and just to have these people that we, we know and trust nominate you and they're inspired by you and so your work is going beyond you, so that's good. All right. Uh, Nathan is here with us. Nathan, if you'd come on up. Now, we, uh, during that phone call, I would always ask them, what is something that we could do just for you? And everybody always kind of deflects uh, but Nathan loves Cuyahoga Falls and all things Cuyahoga Falls. So uh, we are giving him uh, from our church family a gift uh, to the Dulce Spa in, in Cuyahoga Falls and a gift card to Butcher and Sprout so you can have dinner there because I know you love that. But thanks so much for everything, what you've done. It's been awesome. So here, thank you. God bless. Thanks. This is going to be a blast throughout this, uh, this whole three-week series, every service to honor somebody. All right, let's get into what we're going to talk about this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 35 through 41. It's also going to come up on the screen. This is what it says. It says, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is God's word and it's true. 
All right. So in this series, uh, we're calling All In, and I wanted to call this message All In with Jesus. And for the last four months, I have kept going back to this story because it seems like we are in a storm. Not just our community and not even just our country, but the entire world is caught in a storm that has just been intensifying like month after month. And so this story kept coming back to me. And I love this story. One of the things I love about this story are the little details. I don't know if you noticed, but scholars for years have noticed the details of this story. That it doesn't just say that Jesus calmed the storm, which is the meat of the story. It also tells us there were other boats with Jesus, that Jesus was asleep on a cushion of all things, that he was in the stern of the boat, which is the back of the boat. The reason scholars notice those details is that those are non-essential details. They don't impact the story. And the reason scholars are interested in that is that there were two basic genres of literature back in the first century. There were legends, and then there were eyewitness accounts of something that actually happened. And of course, a legend is something that seems that it's too big to believe, like the legend of Paul Bunyan. I learned this when I was a kid. That, you know, he's 63X handles high, with his feet on the ground, his head in the sky, Paul Bunyan, right? Legend. When you talk about Jesus calming a storm with a word, a a hurricane-level storm, it seems like legend. But scholars will say that in the first century, legends weren't written with non-essential details. Only eyewitness accounts of something that was true had these kinds of details. And I love that. And I try to remember every time I read Scripture to tell you that this is God's Word And it's true. And so whenever I find something else that points to the veracity of God's word, I want to point it out to you. So I love the details of this story. But I want to cover three basic truths that come out in this story because this story tells us, one, something about storms. Two, it tells us something about Jesus. And three, it tells us something about going through storms with Jesus. Something about storms, something about Jesus, something about going through storms with Jesus. First, something about storms. I don't think the disciples expected a storm. I think it took them by surprise. Don't you? I mean, it would me. If I was a disciple, I would not have expected to be caught in a life-threatening storm with Jesus. And the reason is because this is Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus had already healed a leper by touching the leper. He touched the leper and made the leper healthy. That's the exact opposite of what happens in our world. When a healthy person comes in contact with a sick person, which is what COVID is all about, then the, the healthy person gets what the sick person has, but not so with Jesus. Jesus would touch somebody who was sick and his health would overwhelm the sickness and absorb it and change it. And the disciples watched that and were just going, I can't believe that I'm hanging out with somebody who's so powerful that sickness cannot even exist in his presence. Then chapter 2, Jesus, he forgives a paralytic of his sins and as a bonus, heals him of his paralysis. Awesome. Chapter 3, Jesus 
finds a man with a withered hand. And by speaking to him, he says, stretch out your hand. He heals the man's hand. By chapter four, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be saying, Jesus is on a roll and I'm rolling with Jesus. What, what is anything that can happen that's bad to me? Nothing. I would think that if, if I woke up with a headache in the morning, I would go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I got a little something, something going on. Could you just, I, would, I might just grab his robe and rub my face in his robe. Think that that would take care of it. I, it would not surprise me a bit if not a single disciple checked the weather report before they got into the boat to go across the Sea of Galilee. They did not expect to be caught in a storm. And the only thing worse than being caught in a storm is being surprised by that storm. You get a phone call with unexpected news. And some of you have had that phone call, and you know that a single phone call can change not just your day or your week, but your whole life. The doctor comes with a bad diagnosis. You get a pink slip. You find out that one of your dear friends has passed away. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a storm. I don't think anybody expected a global pandemic. And then on top of that, a racial division that threatens to tear our country apart. The only thing worse than a storm is being surprised by that storm. And that's what happens to the disciples. And it's not just any storm for them. This is a storm that is so fierce, they could hardly imagine a worse storm. These are seasoned fishermen who are sure they're going to die. Some of you know what it's like to be in a storm, and some of you might be in that storm right now where you cannot imagine a worse storm. And when you're in a storm like that and surprised by a storm like that, sometimes it's easy to, to wonder if Jesus cares about you at all. Because almost all of us, when we are in a storm, we think if Jesus really cared, we wouldn't be in the storm. If Jesus really cared, then my marriage wouldn't be in trouble. If Jesus really cared, my cancer wouldn't come back. If Jesus really cared, I'd still have my job. If Jesus really cared, I wouldn't be in the storm. And that's exactly what happens to the disciples. They get hit with this storm. They're surprised by the storm and they go to wake Jesus up. When they wake Jesus up, they're not asking him for options. They're not saying, hey, Jesus, there's a storm. What should we do? They don't give him multiple options. They don't say, should we keep bailing water or should we jump in the water and make for sure the best we can? What should we do? Not what, not what they do. What they do is they grab Jesus and they shake him awake and they say, do you not even care about us? Because in their mind, they think if you really cared about us, we wouldn't be in this storm. And Jesus the amazing thing about Jesus is he's not even offended by that. You know, Jesus is somebody that could look at them. If you've ever had a friend or a family member that constantly comes to you for help and you are always helping them, you're the one and you give and you give and you give. And the one time you do not give them what they want when they want it, they look at you and they say, you don't care about me and you never have. And you want to look at them and go, really? You'd say that to me? Jesus with the disciples. The disciples are in a storm and they, they tell Jesus, don't you even care about us? And Jesus must look at them and say, really? 
Colossians, the book of Colossians tells us that all things are made by Jesus and for Jesus, which means that Jesus created our atmosphere among other things, right? He created every breath that the disciples had taken from the moment they came out of their mother's womb crying to that moment in panic when they're hyperventilating because of the storm. Every single breath was a gift from Jesus. The disciples didn't realize it, but every single thing they'd ever enjoyed or experienced in their life came from the hand of Jesus. There would be no them without Jesus. There would be no you without Jesus. There'd be no me without Jesus. So when I find myself surprised by a storm and I'm tempted to look at Jesus and say, don't you even care? I think Jesus has a right to look at me and just say, really? Really, you'd say that to me? So the disciples find themselves in a storm, and this is the truth. You will find yourself in a storm, even with Jesus. There's a reason we have this story in the Gospels. There's a reason we have a story that Jesus is in a boat with the disciples when the storm hits, because there are storms that are going to hit your life. And if you are in calm waters right now, enjoy it because a storm is probably on the horizon. And if you are in the midst of a storm, you know that everything I've said so far is true. But this is a story not just about storms. It's also a story about Jesus. And this story tells us something about Jesus. So the disciples are in this storm and they decide to wake up Jesus. So the, the waves are crashing, the wind is howling, the boat is creaking, and they go to wake up Jesus. How do you think they woke him up? <laughs> you think they went to the back of the boat and leaned down and they were going, hey, buddy, hey, hey, could you think they did it gently? Yeah, I don't think so. Right, they go back and they grab him by the shoulders. Jesus is in a dead sleep, so tired that he's not, he's not been awakened by the storm. So they grab him by the shoulders, they shake him, and they go, Jesus, Jesus, we're dying, right? If somebody woke you up like that, how would you wake up? You'd just be going, what are you doing? Why? I mean, you'd wake up in a sheer panic. Jesus doesn't, right? Storms can surprise us. They can threaten us, they can overwhelm us, but they never do that to Jesus. Can you imagine what it would be like to go through life with no panic, with no sense of dread, with no fear? Jesus wakes up and he looks around and he says two words, two verbs, actually. They're interesting verbs. The first verb he says literally means be quiet. It's translated peace. The second verb that he uses is a little bit different, and it's translated, it means literally, stay quiet. But Jesus says to that hurricane-level storm is, be quiet, stay quiet. Like a parent talking to a toddler. And immediately, two things happen, one to the wind and one to the waves. They stop. The wind is the cause of the storm. The waves are the effect of the storm. Jesus speaks to both the cause and the effect of the storm, and it stops. One of the amazing things is that Jesus doesn't call on a higher power. He doesn't make an incantation or a spell. He doesn't even say, in the name of Yahweh, 
be quiet, stay quiet. Jesus doesn't appeal to a higher power because he is that power. And the disciples are now all of a sudden, they're sitting in a boat that's on perfectly calm water that looks like a mirror, and there's not even a puff of wind in the air. And you'd think that they would break out in relieved laughter, that they would high-five each other, that they'd break open the cooler and grab a couple of beers and toast Jesus and just go, we made it, this is awesome. That's not what they do. In the passage, what it says is they were filled with great fear. This passage starts with them being afraid of the hurricane. It ends with them being more afraid. The Greek literally says, and they had fear, fear, great. You can't get more afraid than that in the Greek language. Why? Well, they're afraid of the hurricane because it was so strong and it was out of control. And they realized that they were at the mercy of the power of the hurricane. And if the hurricane chose to, it could dash them into little pieces. But then Jesus stands up and speaks two words. And he says to the midst of the power of that hurricane, be quiet, stay quiet. He talks to a hurricane like it's a child. And the hurricane immediately obeys him. And the disciples look at Jesus and they say, who are you? What are you? Because they realize that there is something more powerful than a hurricane and he's already in their boat. And this is what I want you to know. So many people try to take Jesus and make him a sidecar to their lives. That we want to take Jesus, we want to live our lives, we want to call on Jesus every once in a while because we think he can enhance our lives. Sometimes he can help us when we have trouble and we treat him like a personal assistant. And Jesus makes a lousy personal assistant. Whenever I've tried to treat him like that, he rarely does what I instruct him to do. But Jesus makes a wonderful king, an amazing God. And this is what I want you to know. If you are going to go all in with Jesus, you have to realize who you're getting into the boat with. That you don't get in the boat with Jesus and say, I'm all in, and then try to instruct him on how you're going to live your life. You get in the boat with Jesus, you say, I'm all in. You tell me anything. There is nothing I withhold from you because I have seen your power and I have experienced your love and I know who you are. That brings me to the third point, which is this story tells us something about going through storms with Jesus, going through storms with Jesus. So Jesus doesn't spare the disciples from the storm, but he's also not on shore. He's not tucked away in some cottage inland. He is in the boat with them in the midst of the storm. And I told you that Jesus spoke two words, right? He said, be quiet, stay quiet. And something happened to the wind and something happened to the waves. Jesus impacted both the cause and the effect of the storm. What's interesting is that there's one other story in the Bible that parallels this story very closely. It's the story of Jonah. 
And it's amazing how many connections you can make with Jonah's story and this story. Jonah is in a boat with other sailors. They are surprised by a terrible storm. Jonah is asleep in the boat, just like Jesus was asleep. The other sailors go to wake him up and they say, don't you care what's going on? Won't you do something to help? And Jonah wakes up and he looks around and he tells the other sailors, if you want to know the cause of this storm, it's my sin because I'm right now in the midst of disobeying God. And the sailors say, well, then what are we to do? How do we escape the storm? And Jonah says, I have to be sacrificed. So you should throw me overboard. And the sailors take him and they throw him overboard. And immediately the storm stops. The cause and the effect are both taken care of. Here, the disciples are in this terrible storm. It's not just any storm. For them, it is like the mother of all storms. These seasoned fishermen are sure they're going to die. Jesus gets up and speaks to the cause and the effect of that storm. It's interesting, as a human being, there is only one mother of all storms for any human being. And the mother of all storms is what we call death, right? And that's what people are so afraid of here in this midst of this pandemic. And that's why we are taking all the precautions because we don't want to go through that storm because death is just the beginning of that storm because then you stand before a holy God to give an account for your life. And you may end up like Jonah, knowing that the only way to take care of the storm of God's wrath is to be sacrificed yourself. But every story about Jesus is a story about the gospel the good news. Because the good news from Jesus is Jesus comes and he says, there is only one real storm. Jesus will say in another gospel, he will say, do not fear someone who can only kill your body, but fear the one who can kill your body and cast your soul into hell. Fear the one who can break your soul into little pieces, who has the power to do that. But then Jesus comes and he says, I will weather that storm for you. I will go to the cross and I will take your sin on me and I will weather the wrath of God so that you don't have to. We're about to take communion. Communion is such a wonderful reminder of this because in a minute, we're gonna hold these little tiny pieces of bread and we're gonna be reminded that Jesus was broken into pieces so that we wouldn't have to be. Because Jesus comes and he says, through my death, through my resurrection, I will take you through the mother of all storms so you don't have to fear that storm. I asked the question earlier, what would it be like to go through life with no panic, with no sense of dread, with no fear? This is it. This is it. Because Jesus comes and he says, the only storm you really should fear, I have already taken care of. I have already brought you through. And so you do not have to fear that. And then Jesus says, in every little storm that happens from this day to that day, I will be with you in the midst of that storm and be reminding you that I have you. I have you now and I will have you then, 
and I will have you every day in between. So great is the love of Jesus for those who are all in with him. And of course, in this story, in order to be spared the storm, you have to be in the boat with Jesus. And then the question is, are you all in with Jesus? Because that makes all the difference in the way that you experience the storms you're in right now, but the storm that is coming one day, the big storm, the storm you really should fear. Do you know this Jesus? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you and I am so grateful. I'm grateful that you do not leave us alone in the midst of storms. I'm grateful that storms do not surprise you. But I'm most grateful that the biggest storm of all, the only storm that we really should fear, you have already taken care of with your death and resurrection. And I pray that uh, the people who are going through storms right now, all of us as we go through our lives now, will be reminded even in small storms of what it means to be loved by you and what a wonderful Savior you are. I pray we will go all in with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.